Hey everyone, and welcome back to Practically Zero Waste, a podcast for making zero waste living as practical as possible. Welcome everyone to episode 56, where we're chatting all about online shopping for secondhand clothes. My new pal Jenny person tells us all about her side hustle buying vintage and secondhand items from thrift shops to resell on online platforms such as eBay, Etsy, and Poshmark. And, ahem, uh, you'd think I'd be pretty good at recording things by this time, but unfortunately, my mic wasn't turned on for the interview, so what you'll hear is a quieter version of my usual chatty self, asking questions while Jenny sounds great. But, mic mishaps aside, this interview was too lovely not to share. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to hear more like it, let me know in a review on Apple Podcasts or by leaving a rating of as many stars as you like. But for now, it's time to learn about the online world of shopping secondhand. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you came to be interested in secondhand clothing? Sure. I guess for me, it's always been something that I've done. Yeah. It was the way that I, w- I was raised by my mom. We didn't have a ton of money growing up, so I think we thrift shopped just for the need of it. Yeah. It was just kind of how we did things. So when I was a kid, it was always kind of like you do it by necessity and mm-hmm. you didn't really appreciate it back then. You're always like, oh, I wish I could have the cool things. And we don't have the <laughs> brand name jeans and all that stuff. But we did it because we had to. Mm-hmm. And when I was a little bit older, I kind of started to appreciate that. And I think it taught me a lot about the value of the dollar. And it taught me a lot about making do and making use of the things that you already have instead of constantly going out to find more and more and more and more. Mm-hmm. So it took a while before I kind of got to that point where I'm like, okay, I see why she did this. And now I'm at a point in my life where I'm an adult, I have a job, I don't need to thrift shop, but I do it anyways. Yeah. I like saving money. That's yeah. a huge thing. Right. <laughs> like why spend more money? Why pay retail if you don't have to? And then the other big part of it is the saving the environment factor, which obviously is important to you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's why we're all here, right? Yeah. Um, all of us, all two of us. All two of us is a very busy room. It's, yeah, I feel like it's way more important that we reuse things that still have life left in them. Yeah. And just because I have something that doesn't fit me anymore doesn't mean it's garbage. Mm-hmm. So if I can donate it or sell it and somebody else can make use of it, why wouldn't I do that? Yeah. yeah. So you said two options, donating and selling. And so the selling is the, some, is the one that we're going to talk about tonight mm-hmm. because... I just feel like every time that I've gone to a thrift shop, it is so obscenely inundated with stuff. Like, there's just too much stuff. It's overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. What was the first item that you found um, and then resold? What was that like? Specifically the first item, I'm not 100% sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I did kind of start my vintage shop, I guess it was around 2014, so about five years ago now, which is Electric City Vintage, and Mm -hmm. I can't believe I got that name. I don't know how I got that lucky. (laughs) Uh, But I grabbed it up on Instagram. And uh, that was right around the time that my now husband and I started dating. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we kind of bonded over was thrift shopping and vintage things. (laughs) Like we literally went to thrift shops on our second date. (laughs) (laughs) So super exciting you know we went out and uh it was kind of a cute story we went to valley village and we were looking around and we had kind of bonded that we both really liked vintage items and like that sort of like retro mid-century modern look and i found like a set of kitchen canisters that were 50s or 60s or something 
and he bought them for me. That was like the first gift he ever gave me (laughs) on our second date was these retro canisters for the kitchen from Valley Village. That's great. That's so fun. So when we had started dating and we were doing a lot of thrifting and stuff Mm -hmm. together, we kind of decided we were going to try and make a go of selling things. So he had done a little bit of that himself um, with stuff that he was interested in. Like he's really into like vintage watches and sunglasses, like Ray-Bans and that kind of stuff. Um, So he had been selling some things on eBay and I was really into like the vintage clothing side of things. So we started Electric City Vintage together, grabbed that Instagram account, (laughs) set up an Etsy store and just kind of started selling small things here and there. And it was mostly stuff like vintage ties and little accessories and things like that that are easier to ship, right? Because shipping can be expensive. That's kind of the way it goes in Canada. Yeah, I don't know exactly what the first item was. I feel like maybe it was a vintage tie that sold. (laughs) And that kind of started the obsession with the, like, buying to resell. The thrill of reselling something. Mm -hmm. Just kind of like, oh, that was just kind of like sitting around my house for so long and then to suddenly have money in your pocket for something that you never wanted in the first place or whatever in your home. <laughs> it's a good thrill. It's a good feeling. Yeah, and it kind of um, easy to get into hoarder tendencies <laughs> when you like hunting down things that, that are like cool true. and unique and interesting. Dangerous. It can be. And thankfully, I'm a little bit of a minimalist, not fully minimal, minimalist by any means, but I don't like clutter. Yeah. So I love vintage stuff, but I don't like to be surrounded by stuff. So it's kind of like I find something on a shelf. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. I can't just leave it here. But then I'll take it home and try and find a new home for it. (laughs) So we tend to collect things in our basement. And then every once in a while, just kind of do a clear out and do a big yard sale or, you know, put a bunch of stuff up on Etsy or eBay or now Poshmark to try and kind of get rid of some things. And if we make a little bit of money in the process, then that's awesome. (laughs) It's like actually your business. Mm -hmm. Because you have a full-time job. I do. On the side. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> my full-time thing. job is my side hustle I think right now <laughs> it is that way so often because yeah. it's like I can remember starting this podcast when I was still working before I met leave and mm-hmm. I had so little interest in my full-time job compared to the podcast so yeah it's nice to have something that you're so passionate about well you find something that interests you and then it doesn't feel like work and you just want to do it all the time right so what is your system for finding clothing of some value in secondhand stores yeah so I I'm still kind of figuring that out so I've well I've been doing the Etsy thing had been doing the Etsy thing for a while and on Etsy it was very much all vintage stuff Mm -hmm. and I feel like vintage I've got a decent handle on what's good in terms of resale value because you kind of have to look at it in a sense of what's actually usable now like there's a lot of vintage out there that's super cool Mm -hmm. and you can look at it in a sense of like this would be amazing in a museum but would you actually wear it today right so my focus with the vintage stuff has always been wearable vintage Mm -hmm. and I mean that could be stuff from the 50s and 60s if it's in the right context and Mm -hmm. the right size because stuff from back then is absolutely tiny but then when you get into like the 70s the 80s the 90s it's a lot more wearable now because it has that sort of the fabrication and the construction that we're used to. Okay. Whereas some vintage stuff, the older stuff can be a little uncomfortable just mm-hmm. because it's a little stiffer and the way it was constructed is different than how we do it now. Um, so that's what sort of my focus has been with the vintage stuff is finding wearable, usable vintage in really good condition. Poshmark, I'm still kind of figuring out the ropes of what really sells well because it, it's not just vintage, it's new clothes and used clothes as well. So you have to be a little bit more 
on trend in that sense okay. and knowing what people are interested in and what people are buying and what people are wearing and I'm not the type of person that's like super up on trends like I think I have a good eye for fashion but I'm, I don't buy fashion magazines anymore like I don't think I've picked up a fashion magazine since I was about 19 or 20 or something like that right <laughs> um, so that's kind of been a work in progress to try, try and figure that out but what I look for is the higher-end brands, so the ones that are a little bit better quality. They're made out of fabrics that are, generally speaking, natural fabrics like wools and cottons and silks and that mm. sort of thing, as opposed mm. to polyesters. Yeah. So they're higher quality, the fabrication is nicer, and they're going to last longer. Mm-hmm. So that tends to be what I look for, as well as things that are a little bit more classic because they're going to last a lot longer in terms of like style right Mm -hmm. so people are going to be more likely to buy things I think that they can get a long-term use out of instead of like the of the moment trendy stuff I mean there's always something that's new and hot whether it's like crop tops or (laughs) or walk through like a forever 21 exactly yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. that kind of stuff I don't tend to go to as much Mm -hmm. um just because it is so fleeting versus you know the things that are sort of classics like you know well-cut sweaters and and jeans and uh, like dress pants or blazers or dresses that you can wear to work and that kind of thing because you get really good use out of that. So tell me about Poshmark what it is kind of um, how you kind of came across it and also what the process is for selling something on there. Yeah so it's Poshmark is interesting it's been in the states for a number of years I feel like it's been probably maybe five or six years or so that it's been in the States, but it's brand new to Canada. Hmm. So they just came into the Canadian market back in the spring. Um, I heard about Poshmark maybe two years ago or so, mainly through Instagram because I follow a lot of other vintage sellers Mm -hmm. on Instagram and a lot of them are in the States. So they were always posting things like, oh, such and such is in my Poshmark closet. I'm like, what is this Poshmark closet everyone's (laughs) talking about? So I did a little bit of research to try and figure out what it was and saw of course that it wasn't available in Canada I was like that's a bit of a bummer but it seemed like it was really neat so when they came to the Canadian market I was excited I was like I'm gonna give this a try yeah mainly because I've been a little bit disappointed with Etsy and some of the way that like policy changes that they've done recently so I thought you know what I'll give this a try see if it works better for me and so far it has which is great Poshmark I would say is a combination of a social network and something like um, eBay Okay. So it's like uh, if Instagram and eBay had a baby, it would be Poshmark. (laughs) So it's similar to a social network in the sense that you follow people and you can like their posts and you can comment and you can interact. But at the same time, the purpose of all this is that we're buying and selling. It's mostly clothing and like accessories and shoes and that kind of stuff. Um, but they do have a home market now as well, so oh, you cool. they have kind of opened it up to like small decor items and that sort of thing as well. Yeah. But then that gets hard to ship as a mm-hmm. small business owner. Um, yeah. That would be hard to ship a lamp. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So generally speaking, it does tend to be the small stuff because you can pop it in a box or like a mailer and, and toss it in with Canada Post. Sure. The benefit that Poshmark has is that they have kind of made it really easy for us to use so you can do everything from an app on your phone wow so you set up your clothes you can lay them out on your bed or put them on a mannequin snap a few pictures with your phone do everything right in the app set the price upload it and then you're off and running wow (laughs) that would make it so easy to clean out your closet when Mm -hmm. you have all of those random things that just aren't easy for you to give away like it's something that you spent a lot of money on or something Mm -hmm. that is 
maybe slightly more sentimental than wanting to just pass it on in a bag of stuff to a yeah. thrift shop. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. Yeah, and they, they make it super easy, which is kind of the benefit. Like, they, they take a cut. Most of the time, it's around, like, 20%. So it's not okay. a small cut. Yeah. But, of course, the ease of use kind of counteracts that. Okay. And then the other part of it is, is they actually take care of the shipping for you. And that's that's kind of been the difficult part about selling on, like, eBay or Etsy, because you have to deal with... All the different shipping carriers and figuring out you know what's the size of the package how much does it weigh how far is it going right how much is it going to cost to ship this thing with uh poshmark they have negotiated discounted rates with canada post okay cool. so basically anywhere in canada because you are you're only shipping within canada if you're on the canadian poshmark app anywhere in canada 12.99 so it's really not bad and you can ship basically any size box you want as long as it's under i think it's like five pounds or something like okay. that and if you it's just clothing then. yeah it doesn't weigh a lot <laughs> so basically what happens is when I sell an item on Poshmark pretty much instantly they email me a prepaid shipping label oh, perfect. so I just slap throw it in the box slap on the label toss it in the mailbox and I'm done okay this is really <laughs> wow. yeah and then the nice thing is that the buyer they know that they're paying twelve ninety nine shipping. Mm -hmm. So they're not trying to haggle with you because you're not the person who's setting the shipping rates. That's coming from the app. Is that something that you experience with Etsy and, and things like that? A little bit, okay. yeah. There is a little bit of that sort of like people I think expect free shipping or discounted shipping right. or get can set people off from buying mm -hmm. if the shipping is too much. Yeah. You know, because if you have to calculate your shipping and it's going from Toronto to Vancouver, for example, they're going to go, oh, I don't really want to spend like $30 to mm -hmm. ship this $15 item. Like, yeah. it's a little absurd sometimes. <laughs> and what's nice is that it's part of the regular postal service, so mm -hmm. it's not specific truck driving specifically to your house and spending that yeah. specific carbon, like, you know, fossil fuels. Mm -hmm. um, instead, it's just part of the regular routes and mm -hmm. will be dropped off at that time Yeah, on a route that it was going to take anyway. Yeah, exactly, and most of the time the packages are relatively small mm -hmm. so they just kind of go in the mail carrier's envelope right yeah unless you're shipping like a huge bundle of somebody's bought like you know six items or something like that then you, you put it in a big box in yeah <laughs> i wish that would be amazing <laughs> <laughs> do you ever fix anything up or change anything before reselling it something that you found in a thrift shop and needs touching up or anything? yeah so i well i don't really change things i have some sewing skills but not like mm -hmm. a I wouldn't be able to make a wedding dress, for example, but I can fix things that are broken to a certain degree. So that's kind of the extent of it is, you know, like fixing up loose threads and sewing on buttons and, and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Simple mend jobs because I'm not like super high skilled uh, seamstress. But uh, if I had more time on my hands and more skill, I absolutely would. I think that's amazing. There's some really neat designers out there that are doing upcycled things. Like, I don't know if you've seen uh, Preloved. She makes really cool things out of, like, she'll stitch multiple sweaters together to make one. And it's a really that's cool awesome. look. Yeah. And then to have the skill to put them together. Yeah, nicely. Nicely. <laughs> and to understand, like, fabrics and the way that they're going to change as you wash them and that sort of thing. So yeah. that it actually has some dur durability, I guess you could say. That's so cool. Yeah. One time at um, the One of a Kind show in Toronto, there was somebody who was making leggings and camisoles and, and um, tank tops 
and long underwear, that sort of stuff, yeah. out of cashmere sweaters oh, okay. um, that they were thrifting. And That's cool. They were so comfy. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish I had more skill in that. Maybe one day. Do you own like a brick and mortar store for Electric City Vintage, or is it it's all online? Eh? It's all online. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I, I um, rent for a store. Well, exactly. <laughs> and like they say, like brick and mortar stores are kind of going by the wayside, right? So mm-hmm. everything's so expensive to have a physical location and people aren't shopping in physical locations anymore to the extent that they used to be so why not do it online what are your kind of tips for people who want to start either buying or selling on Poshmark I think kind of the main thing if you're selling is to try and be what I would call like a good seller Mm. so someone who's taking a lot of detailed photos so that people can actually see what it is they're buying that would be so hard to purchase something that is it's not like um, this one dress that you're selling has eight different size options. Yeah. It's just one dress, one size, and <laughs> if you to like be detailed would be so important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So detailed pictures, not hiding if there's uh, defects of any kind. Mm-hmm. Like when we're talking about used clothing, yes, there's going to be things. Of like course, there might yeah. be little stains here and there, and I try to buy things that are in really, really good condition, but they're not going to be perfect. No. So to be upfront about what those flaws are and take detailed pictures so that people feel comfortable buying Mm -hmm. and they feel safe that you're being honest with them. The other big part of it is measurements. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So posting detailed and accurate measurements so people can say, yes, this is going to fit me or no, it's not. And if you're a buyer, I think the main thing is knowing what your measurements are. Mm -hmm. And if you're not sure then you compare it to a well-fitting item in your closet. So if you see a pair of pants that you love Mm -hmm. and you're like, I like these, but pants are so hard to fit. (laughs) Take the measuring tape out, see like what is the rise, what's the inseam, what's the waist, so that you can kind of compare to that item and see if you can figure out whether it's going to fit well. That is so smart because a size small from one company to yeah. the next or a size large is not going to be the same. It's going to be completely different depending <laughs> the vanity sizing, right? right? So, And then the other part of it is fit. So if you have something that's like a high-waisted pant, mm-hmm. where the waistline is going to lie is so different than a low-waisted. Yeah. So being able to determine not only the size, but the fit and then the measurements to go along with that, it's not an easy process. But if the information is there for the buyer, then mm-hmm. they're going to feel more comfortable making that choice. And they can ask questions, right? Yeah. Like there's a commenting system yeah. and they can message you. And Yeah, exactly. They can, if they're unsure about something or if you see something that you love and there isn't a measurement listed, ask. Cool. Most of the time, people will be willing to give you more information. Sometimes on Facebook Marketplace or something like that, you are selling something and you get a lot of responses all at once. Mm-hmm. and rather than just going with the top person or the first person, like, how do you decide who gets it when you just have one item to sell? With the, so with that app, it sort of differs from eBay in the sense that it's not an auction style listing. Mm -hmm. So once somebody puts it in their basket and hits that buy button, it's there. So you don't have the option to choose whether somebody gets it or not. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of automated in that sense. They basically, they put it in their basket and if they're taking too long with them inputting their information, somebody could scoop it. So as soon as they input their information, it's hit like send or buy or whatever the button says. Oh, like once they've actually made the purchase, yeah. it disappears. It disappears from... off the. Okay. It becomes like there gets a little sold tag on it, and then you can nobody else can purchase it. So they have this thing where you can like it. So mm-hmm. similar to Instagram, where you hit the little heart, and once somebody has liked it, that sort of opens up the option for the seller to negotiate with the buyer. So if you like my dress that I've posted, mm-hmm. then I can send you an offer. 
and I can say, you know, I was asking $40 for this dress, but I'll offer it to you for 35 Okay. And then you have the option to counter that offer or decline it or accept it. So it kind of opens up that negotiation between the seller and the buyer. Interesting. And then they also have the option to do bundles. So bundles, it almost acts like a shopping cart where you can kind of like place it in a, the shopping cart. Other people can still buy it at that point. Mm-hmm. But uh, then you can grab, you know, other things and then you can negotiate a discount based on oh, multiple okay. I- um, items and then you save on shipping as well. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's great because mm. it would still be twelve ninety nine. Exactly. Yeah. That is so cool. I just want everybody who's like listening, who's really into thrifting and looking for those really high quality, awesome finds to, mm. to like really consider this as an option because what a simple, straightforward way to make mm-hmm. a little bit of extra money off of your items that you aren't wearing and you yeah. aren't using. It's smart for the seller mm-hmm. because you can take things that you're not using or maybe don't fit anymore or you don't have the, the occasion to wear, like how many of us own multiple Brides like bridesmaids dresses, dresses and things dresses. like that that you'll never wear again. Yeah. <laughs> but they cost a lot of money, right? Yeah, so they do. to be able to get a little bit of a return on your investment yeah. is awesome. And then somebody else can make use of that thing mm-hmm. and they can get it for a better price than having to go out and buy it new. Yes. And you're saving the environment by doing it. <laughs> yes, yeah. I would love to talk about that too. Is that um, we've we've talked a little bit before about secondhand shopping. Mm-hmm. I talk about it all the time just because it's such an obvious way to save money yep. and to reduce your impact on the planet. But why does it reduce your impact? Are you able to speak a little bit to that? Yeah, I mean, I think it does in a lot of ways. A, it keeps things out of the landfills, which is huge, right? It's like if I have a shirt that's not good for me anymore, it doesn't mean that it's garbage. Mm-hmm. So if somebody else can make use of it, then why wouldn't I donate it or sell it? Yeah. The other part of that is, so one thing that you and I kind of talked about is um, reducing the microplastics in the waterways. Yeah. So something that I've been trying to do is to slowly phase out any of the synthetic fabrics that I have in my closet mm-hmm. so that I'm not washing that away into yeah. the water supply. And one way that I'm doing that is by thrift shopping. So, like, take the sweater I'm wearing today, for example. It's I, thank you. I got this on Poshmark. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, I mean, it's a brand that I probably wouldn't normally have access to. It's a little bit higher end. Okay. It's not available in Peterborough, so I would have to order it online. Mm-hmm. And this is made of silk, cotton, and cashmere. Wow. So it's super soft. It's comfortable. Natural fabrics. It's not going to shed plastics when I wash it. So those are the sorts of things that I look for when I'm thrifting um, because I really want to try and find things that are natural materials that are high quality that are going to last a long time because it's better for the environment, better to not constantly be replacing things and having to create new things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like if you're buying smartly and you're able to buy things that are high quality used Mm -hmm. because it's a little bit cheaper then you're doing yourself a favor in the long run. Absolutely. Your closet is going to last that much longer. And yeah. especially if you're looking for those classic items that aren't going to... They're not going to go out of style. Go out of style. Yeah. Then you're okay to be spending a little bit more on an item because it's going to work for you until you're 50, which, uh, yeah. if you're not already 50. Um, <laughs> so it's nice to have items in your closet that you think, I can wear this for at least another 10 years. And yeah. it's still going to be durable. It's still going to last And I like what you said, too, about um, not creating a demand for more Mm -hmm. to be produced because that is such a problem when we are 
creating the demand for more resources to be grown, to be able to produce the fabric, whether it's polyester or cotton or anything. Mm -hmm. And then we end up just throwing it away or giving it to a thrift shop or like they're just so overwhelmed with stuff. I yep. just, my heart aches for they are, yeah. thrift shops that are just burgeoning with stuff. Stuff, stuff, and more stuff, exactly. Ugh. And it's the issue is that fashion is such a horrible offender in this mm-hmm. realm because it's not only the fabrics that they're using, mm-hmm. it's the um, time spent producing them and the emissions from the factories and then the shipping it from one side of the world to the other. There's just and so the many facets. Yeah. And then even the treatments of the fabrics with, you know, right. now if you buy children's clothes, everything's covered in flame retardants and, and things like that. And because it's such a dumb thing, you know? <laughs> like, it's such an unnecessary, as a parent, it feels like an unnecessary thing to scare me about because I don't, I've never worried that my child would catch fire, but now I'm buying clothing or not personally, but like one would buy clothing that's flame retardant just in case he caught fire then his clothes would be fine. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> I have never met a child that has spontaneously combusted. Um, <laughs> it would be weird if they did that. Yeah, I've never seen that. And it's just, it's such a unnecessary thing to add to the list of things that are already scary yeah. as a parent. So, well, and not right, to mention really the toxic load exactly. of those fabrics against your child's skin, right? Mm-hmm. Which... Hey, if you're secondhand shopping, it's already been washed a bunch of times, so probably a little cleaner by now. (laughs) (laughs) There's another reason to thrift shop. (laughs) Yeah, and they don't wear them out, so they're still in great condition when they end up in the thrift shop. I mean, you think about how little fabric goes into, like, a little kid's outfit, (laughs) and then the cost of buying it is just absurd when you consider how little fabric there is. it's more complicated to make it so tiny. That's probably (laughs) it, yeah. They just have to be such, like, nimble-fingered people sewing them, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) What does it mean to be a posh ambassador? Ah, it's, uh, I am one. Yes, you are. It sounds so fancy. It does sound fancy. I think it's, (laughs) so they sort of like give you these titles and don't really explain what they mean. (laughs) From what I gather, it's almost like being a mentor. Oh. So basically they track different uh, stats. Mm -hmm. So things like your seller rating, how fast you ship. Okay. How many shares you're getting, how many shares you're giving, mm-hmm. how many love notes you're sending out and how many you're getting in and all that type of things. How many followers how followers do you have? Yeah. And so then when you reach a certain threshold on all of those stats, mm-hmm. then you get posh ambassador status. And the idea is that they think, okay, well, you're someone who's doing all right. So you can be sort of a touch point for new poshers. So when somebody signs up for Poshmark, they have a whole list of suggested users to follow. And those are all Posh Ambassadors. Like (laughs) And when I got Posh Ambassador status, like, I think it was like two weeks ago or something like that, all of a sudden my follows just like shot through the air. I had something like 3,800 followers before that. And now in the two weeks since, I now have 18,000 followers. I'm like, this is insane. This is stressing me out. (laughs) You're so popular. Oh my God. So popular. (laughs) (laughs) Only on Poshmark. (laughs) Obscure everywhere else. (laughs) Poshmark. You're a thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
So it's a little weird. I mean, it, it seems a little silly sometimes, the things they do, but ultimately it creates this atmosphere of collaboration between people. Cool. And they very much reward the idea of sharing the love, being yeah. nice to each other and interacting and mm-hmm. liking and commenting and sharing each other's posts, which it makes sense because that's how you get your items sold mm-hmm. and that's how Poshmark makes their money. Has that resulted in many more sales? Like what um, can I ask about like how often you make a sale? Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's definitely picked up in the last little bit, which mm-hmm. is great. Um, let's see, I sold, I think, two packages over the weekend and then like another couple in the last couple of days. Wow. So it's, yeah, it's definitely picked up since I got Posh Ambassador status, which is great. I love seeing that. But generally speaking, I would say, like I have been selling a couple of things a week, I would say. And then now it's m- you know, probably double that. Mm-hmm. And people seem to shop late at night, <laughs> which is interesting. Like when I'm sitting there watching TV and scrolling through Poshmark, all of a sudden there's a ton of activity. Everyone's yeah. doing the same thing. Of course. And people shop on the weekends. Yeah. So most of my sales are happening in that sort of like Thursday, Friday until Monday kind of time range is what I'm finding. What are some of the most amazing finds that you've come across that you've become like, I can't believe I found this in a Yeah, I had a really cool one this summer that like just blew my mind. I found in the costume section at Tilly's a dress that should be in a museum. It's like, I don't know the exact date, like age range, but I'm based on the style. I'm thinking it's like 1920s. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's just this like heavily beaded black gown that's cool. just absolutely incredible and beautiful. And I got it for $10 yeah. at Tilly's. And it, I, I took it to the change room and I tried it on. I'm like, this fits me. Like, I have to buy this. (laughs) I'm like, I don't care if I'm wearing it for Halloween. Like, I'm taking this home with me. And I haven't had the heart to list it because it's just too special. So it just, like, hangs out in my spare bedroom. (laughs) And there was a good while where it was hanging on the mannequin. And then my husband would walk in and be like, oh, jeez, oh, my God. Because there's this woman in this long black dress standing there, and he's totally freaked out by it. I'm like, it's probably haunted. (laughs) So that's probably, like the most amazing find that I've ever found because I'm just so like cool. it's so old yeah it's insane how old it is and yet it's in beautiful condition yeah and like the beads on it are just incredible like I yeah wow so, yeah that would be so much money yeah. at that time like mm-hmm. somebody who bought that had a lot of cash like it sort of reminds me of almost like a like a Downton Abbey kind of style yeah. dress or something like that but so that was yeah <laughs> a couple of other ones that I've had. Uh, there's another dress that's been hanging in my closet that I haven't been able to bring myself to sell. <laughs> um, and it doesn't fit me, so there's no reason why I'm hanging on to it. But it's just so special. It's just this beautiful 1950s like party dress. Super classic style. It's got the little cap sleeves and like the ribbon waistline and the poofy skirt. And then a beautiful color of like olive green lace. Oh, yeah, Absolutely gorgeous. And the the tag inside it's still an amazing shape and it says uh, Susie Perrette which is kind of a big name in like vintage like 50s 60s fashion yeah you know all those brand names too yeah I know a few and that was a big one I saw in the store I was like oh my god a Susie Perrette (laughs) (laughs) so I brought that one home I will eventually probably sell it on Etsy just Mm -hmm. because it's not my size so there's no reason to hang on to it and somebody else is going to get some use out of that like I could just see that being like some cool high school girls like prom dress or something like that that'd be so amazing but yeah that's awesome (laughs) so I was pretty thrilled about that one and recently not vintage related but I found a sweatshirt 
at Talese from the designer Kenzo, kind of a big name. And I saw it, I was like, I know that name. Like, <laughs> I'm going to get this for $4 because I know that this is something special. Threw it on Poshmark. Two days later, it sold for $100. What? <laughs> yeah. So how do you decide your prices for things? Like, is it how much research do you have to do? There's a fair bit of research involved. Um, and sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's not so easy to find mm-hmm. the things, depending on how old they are. Yeah. So you do a lot of, like, looking at comparables online. Mm-hmm. So if you can find fairly recent items, like, from the manufacturer, you can kind of see what did they sell them for. Okay. And then you get the retail price, and that'll give you an idea of what you can ask in the reseller market. Um Generally speaking, people are not going to buy something for retail value unless it's like sold out, super important, like really, you know, sought after collection. Then it kind of becomes a collectible and that's completely different. But generally speaking, resellers, you're going to be buying something for half price or less. Okay. So you kind of have to keep that in mind when you're sourcing something to see what am I paying for this? What can I get for it? You sold that sweater, that Kenzo sweater? For a hundred dollars. That's half price or less of its original. Oh. It's a sweatshirt and it just has a signature across the front. That's it. I have never heard of this brand. <laughs> and I think originally they sell for something like two or three hundred, like three hundred dollars mm-hmm. for a sweatshirt. <laughs> I know that thrift shops are for charities and they're uh, often just, okay, how much would somebody reasonably pay yeah. lower income families helping people out um for a sweater they probably need a sweater four bucks that makes sense yeah um because they're not researching things but sometimes when they when it's a well-known mm-hmm. um brand that is known for being higher end then they kind of price 12 it. bucks yeah <laughs> but honestly it's it's amazing um that it would be hard to be in your line of work and work for a regular thrift shop. Like, you could be, like, going through the bags being like, this is, like, $200, yeah. this $100. <laughs> See, I'm like, maybe I should get a part-time job at Talese so I can get the discount. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, I feel like it's, like, they're getting it for free. It's yeah. being donated to them. Yeah. So any profit is profit. Mm-hmm. So why not sell it at a reasonable price? And then the people who need it yeah. can take advantage. Exactly. Or the people who want to resell it, like me. <laughs> you would see the tags, and I'm just like, mm, no, mm, no, I don't like that pattern. I don't like this, because I'm just buying yeah. from my own closet. And yeah. so if you're going with a purpose of, of actually finding something special, then mm-hmm. you have a different technique or a different yeah. tactic. Yeah, exactly. You're sort of going in with a different thing in mind. And, mm. and it's I definitely look at tags, and that's the thing. Is that like, And when I look around the thrift store, I'm like, Hmm, who's the other resellers in here? And you see the people that are just like furiously climbing through the racks like this, and you're like, oh, they're looking to resell. And then there's the people that are just kind of like willy nilly looking at things, and they yeah. check one size section and then they move on to the next. And I'm like, I'm in the dresses and I'm going from size 14 to size zero. Wow. <laughs> looking, and my husband hates it because, I mean, he loves thrifting, but now I take a really long time when I thrift yeah. because I'm looking at all the sizes. But yeah, I'm like, you're looking at the tags, you're looking at the fabric, you're looking at what condition it's in. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you're just like, if it's even remotely good, you grab it, you put it in the basket, you keep moving. Because <laughs> you don't want somebody else to be grabbing the good <laughs> stuff ahead of you. <laughs> Especially not when you see that person, you're like, I think that's another posher. <laughs> Do you have anybody that is really inspiring you in this kind of reuse and secondhand and thrifting community that you want to 
tell other people about? Yeah, it, it's been kind of a interesting process of like, you know, finding new people to follow on social media and stuff. And uh, it's it kind of opens up a whole new world, right? Because mm-hmm. now that we're online with all this stuff, it's not just who's in your community. It's people all over the world. Oh, seriously, yeah. And I've sort of been delving into a little bit of like following other resellers. Like I've followed other vintage sellers for a long time. But the reseller market with the Poshmark is a little bit more accessible because okay. it's not dependent on you finding these amazing museum quality vintage pieces. Right. And if you do, amazing, you have an avenue to sell it. But you can get, you know, a cool sweater that was made two years ago and sell it on Poshmark, mm-hmm. whereas Etsy was very much limited to handmade and vintage. Right. So too much pressure on yeah. those categories. Yeah. So this is, it kind of opens up everything, makes it more accessible for people who are like, I can't necessarily go out and do sourcing trips and, you know, estate sales and, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff that are, you know, three states away or something like that. Yeah. So I've been following the vintage sellers for a long time, but now I'm following some resellers as well. And there's been a little bit of like crossover with that, that a lot of the vintage sellers are now doing Poshmark as well. Okay. And there's one that I've been following because she does a lot of like helpful tips on, you know, like how to posh essentially. Uh, She's called Foxborough Vintage. Cool. Um, So she has her vintage shop. I originally started following her because of that. Now she's doing Poshmark. She was one of the ones that was always posting about it. And I was like, what is this Poshmark? (laughs) Um, So she's doing a lot of that. And then she's doing YouTube videos to kind of like help other people learn how to do Poshmark. Cool. Yeah. That's great. I'll include that in our show notes so that people can find her. and Give her a shout out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I wanted to talk about, is there a lot of fast fashion items on there like is this something quick and simple that if you just have a regular quality Mm -hmm. regular condition not like spectacular um item of clothing could you have a Poshmark account and um, just try selling things where you're not even really making back what you spent on it originally Mm -hmm. but you're just trying to clean out your closet is that something that people do absolutely yeah they definitely do um and there's lots of people who have closets where there's like literally five items and they're just trying to get rid of like you know that h&m top from three years ago yeah or the lululemons that don't fit them anymore or Mm -hmm. whatever the case is and uh people definitely do that and of course the price tag that they get for it is not going to be that high because people are not necessarily willing to spend that much on the fast fashion stuff when it's been used as well. Plus the twelve ninety nine shipping. If yeah. you're buying something for $5 and the shipping is more than Yeah, it can be a bit of a deterrent, I think. Yeah. But there is definitely people doing it. And if that means that you can make a little bit of that money back, why wouldn't you try, right? Yeah, it's easy enough to do, so it's worth a shot. Yeah. And, you know, you might be listing something for $10, but... That's also something that's relatively easy for someone to be like, I can spend $10 easily enough. Like, there is definitely a market for that, and a lot of people are using it in that way. And then there's a lot of people like myself. You know, they're actually sourcing things Mm -hmm. uh, from thrift stores, from, you know, other places where they can resell it specifically. So it's there's both of that going on. And, I mean, it's interesting to see the sheer volume of stuff going into the thrift shops. And it's not just being donated by people is the thing. So what I've been finding a lot of lately, and it probably depends on which thrift store you go to, is that there are brand new still tags on stuff that's been donated from the stores. What? Yeah. So I think it's like, I haven't fully figured out what's going on there, but my guess is that they're old stock 
they can't sell it anymore oh. because it's last season. So instead of uh, throwing it in the trash or burning it. Or burning it, yeah. Then they donate it. They get a tax receipt because most of the th- these right. thrift stores are charitable organizations. They get something back for it. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I like that. I mean, it's better than putting it in the landfill or burning it, but... Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I guess there's stages of doing good. <laughs> yeah, cool. yeah. Where can people find you online and on Poshmark and on social media? Yeah, so if you are on uh, Instagram, mm-hmm. I am electric.city.vintage. Mm-hmm. Poshmark, I'm electric underscore style. Great. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you're new to Poshmark and you are thinking about signing up, um, you can use my username as a sign-up code and you get $15 to spend in the app. I love those referral codes, right? If you can get something for free and then, (laughs) and then you can go and buy that $10 shirt that you're eyeing up because you bought that $15 from the app. (laughs) That is really cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for telling me all about this. You're welcome. It was so cool to learn about how you can take advantage of reselling things and not just throwing it away or giving it to a thrift shop like yeah that's so cool yeah i i'm really enjoying it it's been super fun so thank you for having me it's been awesome to kind of talk about it i'm yeah. uh, by no means an expert yet but i am working on it <laughs> oh well that must mean something <laughs> thanks again for listening everyone if you'd like to learn more from jenny or want to ask her questions you can find her on instagram and on poshmark details in the show notes If you enjoyed today's episode, you'd probably also enjoy episode 9, Secondhand September, and episode 44, Mend Everything. You can find those in our archives wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show, you can always reach us by email at practicallyzerowaste at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at Elspeth Callahan. That's all for now. Have a great week, everyone, and talk to you soon.